P-S-N-Y. It's Back all it's battle. all on you now, man. It's all on you. I, I've always found, and I'm gonna be telling this story for the last time today, that when you just press record and, and it sucks that Zoom kind of alerts you now as to whether or not you're being recorded or not. But uh, we just press record as soon as we start and then we, you know, talk and talk and talk and talk. And then if we have to edit something down, we'll edit something down, uh, or I'll do it. Um, but one time we had Keith McPherson on and we were talking for like 15 minutes and he didn't know we were recording. So at the end of this 15 minute conversation we had, it's like, yeah. So I don't know if you guys want to figure out a way to like work all this into the podcast in the middle somewhere, like buddy, like we've been going 15 minutes strong. Like this is all live. Um, and it was, it was great. It was great content. Um, so yeah, that's my, my biggest advice. Just hit record as soon as you start and just see what's, okay. see what happens. Sounds see good. what happens. Um, yeah, but this is, I'm going to have to double check the episode now. I've looked at it a bunch of different times. Uh, this is episode 129 of the Bleacher Creatures Yankees podcast. Yeah. Yes, 129 presented by Elite Sports New York, Crossing Broad, Warwick Gaming, XL Media, and as always, Rivercrest NYC. A little bit different today. Uh, I am officially passing the torch allison is as well allison couldn't be here today um but we are officially passing the torch of the bleacher creatures franchise it's a franchise now all right multiple locations i like yeah but yeah just the one location but franchise it just sounds so good man it just sounds so nice and clean it feels like we really built something uh even though it was just one podcast yeah. Um, but yeah, we are, we're passing on the podcast. Allison and I are, are officially out of the game. Uh, Allison has her own life going on and, and she's got work stuff and coaching stuff that she has to do. And I am on to another job. I I'm starting a job in with WMBF in Binghamton starting on June 1st. Uh, yeah. June 1st sounds right. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's okay to say, yeah, it hasn't been officially announced yet, but I'm sure it's okay to say at this point. Um, yeah. yeah, so I'm, I'm moving to Binghamton in a week, uh, not allowed to do the podcast anymore because of a pretty strict non-compete. So we got my boy, Josh, you know, he's been on the podcast a few times here Several and there. Times, yeah. Uh, he's going to be taking it over and he's got his buddy, Alec. And I, I mean, I could not possibly be more excited for you guys to take it over. Alex, say hello. Hello, everyone. Uh, very Alec. excited. Haven't done this in a while, but uh, I'm very excited. Alec, you've got a pretty unique background yourself. Why don't you give us a quick rundown of uh, what you're bringing to the pod? Oh, uh, okay. So um, currently I am a hitting instructor in Pennsylvania. So I do a lot of deep diving into analytics and uh, just I love talking about the mechanical and also the mental approach when it comes to hitting and all that kind of stemmed from my uh, experience as a college player. So um, Josh knows uh, him and I have written together before in the past and we actually hosted our own podcast for a while. Can't Um, say the name of the place, unfortunately. Oh no, I'm not. Yeah. Don't worry. I won't. Um, (laughs) But yeah. So, what, this is, what is the secret drama that you can't say the name of the place? Pretty much, there was like we were we were working at this one other blog site. There was uh, a purchase, and then the general sporting division 
very slowly and unceremoniously kind of got phased out to the point where they, they're kind of in Voldemort territory. They show who shall not be named. Yeah. 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 Left, left a lot of bitter feelings from. Yeah. Well, I have to imagine writers. for a media company, it's probably not a great business model to not be named. <laughs> probably not. There, there was a whole slew of issues with them, but hey, we're here now. Uh, clean, clean slate, new project. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to yeah. be fun. Really excited yeah. for what uh, Alec and I are going to be doing. Uh, and James, mind if we get started right away? Yeah, let's go. I'm ready uh, to go. It's been a month since we recorded the podcast with all this stuff that's been up in the air for me and Allison. Um, all right, so let's get right into it. The Yankees, they have the best record in baseball, just took three out of four from the Baltimore Orioles, winning the games that they absolutely need to win, which we didn't see a lot of last year. Comfortable five-game lead on the Tampa Bay Rays uh, with a weekend series of the Chicago Cubs. Uh, not the Cubs, the White Sox coming up. The Cubs come next month. But you can't help. This could have been a four-game sweep if Aaron Hicks just kind of had his shit together at the plate. Alec, you have lots of opinions about this. You've been chomping at the bit to just go <laughs> off on Aaron Hicks. So uh, you have the floor. I just don't think I've ever seen a major league hitter have less of a plan at the plate. Like it is, it blows my mind every time when I watch him hit. Um, he just looks like he's completely out of control, completely out of control of the swing. I don't know what his game plan is. It looks like, and I was watching some of the broadcasts today, and I think Michael Kay touched upon it during the broadcast. But, like, you know, if you hear when hitters say they're in between pitches, they're late on the fastball, they're early on the off-speed pitch. And imagine that with Aaron Hicks, but, like, make it worse 10 times. Because the dude just is lost up there. I Like, it's non-competitive at bat after non-competitive at bat. And I want to say this is surprising and that there is a Aaron Hicks in the past that we could look at and be like, oh, this is where if he can get to that level, we're happy and we're fine. But like, I don't really know what that past is. It like he has a few good looks here and there, but just I, 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 I think he's, he's on borrowed time. And I kind of said this earlier, um, I think privately, but I've never seen a guy with as long of a runway as him and how he still manages to crash the plane every single time. James, got anything to add? Yeah, I think, you know, it's fair. It's fair to say that Aaron Hicks has been pretty bad this year. And and obviously the pitch recognition has still been quick interjection real fast. Cause like, I don't know if you could say that he's not working competitive at bats. The results aren't there, but he's still in like, I think the 95th percentile when it comes to walk rate. And oddly enough, he's not chasing bad pitches, but the results aren't there. James. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. So as, as I was saying before, I was rudely interrupted by the person taking over the podcast for me. He thinks it's his show now. Uh, not today. Not today. You Still my show it. today. Still my show today, sir. Um, Aaron Hicks is he's still doing a really good job walking. He saw his really good pitch recognition. I think the thing that's been missing from his game this year, which I, I partially want to attribute to the uh, UCL injury that he suffered is the power. The power hasn't been there. And and part of that is that he's also not making contact with the ball, but he was never really a high contact guy. Anyway, he was always very much uh, a Joey Gallo light in a way that, you know, he was going to make a little more contact than Gallo did, but not have quite as much power. And that was always who Aaron Hicks was as a hitter. He was really up there to walk. And it's clear that this year he is up there to walk 
he is not trying to do any damage whatsoever. He's just trying to get on base and, you know, it gets played up even more because of his numbers with runners in scoring position when people are really actually paying attention to Aaron Hicks. And it's like, oh yeah, we're really paying attention and this guy's not doing anything. Uh, Not that he's really doing much of anything besides that. The OPS is under 600. That's not ideal. That's a bad number to look at. Um, and, And a lot of that is because he's just, there's no power in his game and, yeah, I wonder how much of that has to do with the injury he suffered because it, it affected him in the outfield too. His arm strength isn't there. His arm strength isn't what it was when, you know, you look back at his days with the Minnesota Twins and he was unfurling that 105 mile per hour throw against the Yankees uh, from left field. You're just not going to see that with Aaron Hicks anymore. Still a good defender, but just the arm's not there anymore. I'm uh, I'm going to push back just a little bit on that with the power because uh, I have my trusty baseball savant page pulled up. And I'm looking at his metrics. And I think that part of the issue is that he thinks that he's got some of that power in there or or that kind of idea, like you were saying, where he's a Joey Gallo light, where he's going to be able to drive the ball either out of the ballpark or into the gaps. But he doesn't hit the ball hard. Like he – like, and I'm not just talking. No, no, no I'm year. saying I'm, that was, that was Aaron Hicks to the past. Well, look, no. go look back like four years ago. And, it was more like that for him where he was trying to do damage and, and trying to lift the ball this year. It doesn't exist. Yeah, he doesn't but, have the power this year, but uh, his like exit velocity and his max exit velocity are actually on par with his career averages. So, uh, you know, maybe I'm looking at it now that he has not touched an average exit velocity at 90 miles per hour or more and he'll occasionally run into a max exit below 111 110 but that those are kind of like the outliers and if you the way mlb um the way they determine what a barrel ball is it's anything that's 95 plus uh in exit velocity he he doesn't hit a lot of those even over the course of his career so i'm not sure like i'm sure the ucl injury definitely plays a part of it but i think he needs to get away from that mindset of hey i can put out home runs when i need to because a the yankees don't need them to um but you know just singles and on base as you were saying um and then josh kind of backtracking to what you were saying like about the non-competitive bats yeah he has a high walk rate and he doesn't chase the ball a lot but he's not hitting anything in the zone it's also important to note on on that he is also having an awful awful month because we're quickly forgetting Aaron Hicks hit 306 in April. It was they weren't they weren't pretty results, but he was still kind of digging and dunking the ball at least a little mm-hmm. bit. This month he's batting under 100. I think mm-hmm. pro- entering today's game he was batting 091 in May, and we've seen Yankees have strong Aprils and terrible maze Didi Gregorius not too long ago comes directly to mind but just to touch just to touch on what Alex said this isn't just a bad month this isn't like getting burned by BABIP like Didi Gregorius was or Gary Sanchez even many moons ago he is not making contact with the ball he like I say to Alec in, in like private chats all the time Aaron Hicks is literally swinging from his ass like it, it's and, uh, Max Greenfield a great friend of the show uh tweeted today that yeah, I think it was Max who tweeted this. Aaron Hicks moves more than a pop singer's backup dancer. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. That's classic yeah. Max. Yeah, and you saw it today. He was just like his legs are all over the place. He he's either trying to do too much at the plate 
And on top of that, he just doesn't have a plan. He's going up hoping to make contact and and hope for the best. It's not a good approach to have at all. Mm -hmm. And I, I will I, say, I want to circle back to the power one more time because we're also we're, we're kind of circling the same point. Yeah, um, yeah. You know what we didn't consider is the juiced ball effect with Aaron yeah, Hicks, even with, yes. with those underlying numbers where the launch angle and the max exit and the average exit velo is generally the same. You look at the slugging numbers from three years ago and, and they're significantly higher. So part of that might be, you know, just the juice ball merchant. And, and part of it might be that he's striking out more and making worse contact this year. And, you know, still what has it been six weeks? It's not a huge sample size yet. It's pretty significant it's at this point. It's not a sample size, but yeah. Hicks has underperformed this $70 million contract enough where it's officially well, it's a problem. You say $70 million, but it's $10 million a year. What is $10 million a year? That's nothing. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> but in better, in better news, happier news, the Yankees are still rolling, and I think you could say Matt Blake is a pitching wizard. Oh, I love him. I love Matt Blake fantastic. so much. He is so good. Yeah, and... Just looking at the looking at the matchups we have with the White Sox this coming weekend. Tomorrow it's Nestor and Keuchel. Then uh, on Saturday, I believe, yeah, it's Severino and Kopech again. And then, <clears throat> excuse me. And then on Tuesday it will be Tyone and I already forgot his pitching for the White Sox. But all three of those guys have been having very very good seasons. Severino, he's kind of like he's regressed a little bit because when he doesn't have that good, good third pitch going. He kind of doesn't really know what to do. But on the whole, I think this is another very winnable series for the Yankees. Guys, are you, are you in the same boat? Yeah, I agree for sure. I mean, they've done it once before. And I, like, I know the White Sox are getting a little bit healthier. But, I mean, they're on such a roll. And pitching has, like you said, has just been outstanding. Like, I'm not worried about Severino at all. Um, I thought he's been more impressive than I could have hoped. Uh, coming off the Tommy John surgery. I certainly was not expecting this this good a level of Severino at all. Johnny Cueto pitching on Sunday against Tyone. That's going to be a fun watch. Jamison Tyone has been so good this year too. And I, I really just attribute it to him. You know, he changed his arm action coming back from those injuries uh, where he didn't pitch for two years, went with a shorter arm action. I'm sure that had some kind of effect on him last year where maybe he wasn't, you know, the consistency wasn't there for him last year. I think we saw plenty of dominant outings from Tyone. And we also saw a lot of outings where he'd get tagged for five and two innings. There's just yeah. not a lot of start to start consistency. I think we're seeing that a lot more this year. Look, I think the sweepers looked fantastic. The sweeper. And also with Tyone, maybe we need to rethink what we've been saying about the sinker all these years, because he goes back to throwing his sinker and all of a sudden he's a different pitcher. Well, it's, it's all cyclical, right? You adjust yeah. to the high fastball and all of a sudden the sinker is more effective again. You adjust to the sinker, all of a sudden the high fastball is more effective again. It's, right. all, it's all cyclical. It all comes back and forth. Yeah, because I'm looking at some of the matchups specifically with the White Sox coming up because Dallas Keuchel, he does well against the Yankees. Yeah, against New York, 10 starts, 2.06 ERA, 4-4. Four and four. <laughs> But at Yankee Stadium, here's where, yeah, here's where uh, the narrative changes. The Yankee Stadium, Okay, two point four three ERA, six and six. But like we've Dallas Keuchel has shown. We're more including way too many of his good years in that, though, and he hasn't been yeah. good for three years. Yeah, he, he just was, hasn't been good. Was, and of course, just we've seen him already this year. And and of course, since it was Jordan Montgomery pitching for us, we didn't score any runs off him. But that was about, unbelievably unacceptable to get almost shut out by Dallas Keuchel over what's five six innings. 
How about today we actually score for Jordan Montgomery and then Miguel Castro suddenly forgets how to pitch? Well, you know that was going to happen. Like the moment they took the 2-0 lead in the first, it's just like, oh, this is going to be the game, though, where Montgomery's going to, you know, not be at his best self, but he'll definitely be serviceable. Jordan Montgomery is allergic to wins. (laughs) Good thing wins are a meaningless stat. Yeah, no, factual. Yeah, Yeah, they're meaningless. But it's still nice to, like, see one in the win column. Where you're not yeah. going to get into like that that 2018 Jacob Degrom territory, or at the end of the year, you got people saying, "What do you mean he only had nine wins this year? How could you vote for him for Cy Young?" That, that fucking Mad Dog Russo esque oh, takes. Uh, Alec, you got some opinions on Mad Dog? Uh, well, I haven't watched any of his He's crap the worst. in the last like three years, but uh, yeah, the, the dude just likes to hear. Himself. He wanted Brandon Crawford to be MVP last year because he's the best player on the best team. First of all, Buster Posey was the best player on the Giants last year. That's a fact. Second of all, who cares? Baseball is the one sport where it does not matter if your team sucks or not. Because guess what? Mike Trout only gets four at-bats a game. He can't will the Angels to a victory on his own. He could hit a home run in every at-bat in that game. They might lose 5-4. Mike Trout is a, also a, like we're getting it off on a baseball tangent here, like we're wont to do. Uh, but Mike Trout is a prime example of how flawed a stat war actually is, because the guy's having what like a, like an eight to ten war season on a non-playoff Angels team for like how many years? Put him on a playoff team where he actually has support in the lineup. It's a more balanced team. It's like put him on a ninety-eight Yankees quality team, and that war might bump even a little higher just because that human element of having a little extra bounce in your step playing on a good team. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, but then again, kind of going on a tangent. Uh Oh, the famous. Yeah, Alex this Mike is, Tra- this is a big, this is a big tangent podcast there. If we, Allison and I have talked about Danny phantom for straight up 20 minutes on this <laughs> podcast before. So when, Anytime you guys want to go on a tangent, this is what uh, this space uh, is for. I, I, I got to ask, are we getting the infamous Alec Montecalvo, Mike Trout rant right now? Uh, no, I'm, I'm going to curtail it a bit. Okay. Um, oh, boy. Well, just I don't think he's the best player ever. So, uh, but that we could save that conversation for another well, time. That's, yeah, that's all. Best player ever. That's a very oh, different I, conversation. I hear it a lot, and I have some strong opinions on that. Yeah. But I also, well, well, he's only halfway through his career. How could you make that judgment yet? It's impossible. That's that's that's, that's my opinion exactly. Well, um, you all, you also live like kind of in his in his hometown's backyard, so of course you're going to get a lot of Mike Trout stands. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, also, I idiotic of him to sign that contract and stay in LA for 14 years and not be a hero coming back to Philly. But hey, that's another thing. Yeah. Um, but like with war. <laughs> I, I like war as measuring how valuable a player is to their team, but I think we are getting just too far into like, it's the end all be all, you know? Right. Like you look at, everyone's always talking about, or at least they're talking about right now, how like Mike Trout, if the season were to end today, like he would be the American league MVP. It's like, well, why wouldn't it be someone like Aaron judge or, or someone who, can put up as much of offensive numbers as Trout, but just doesn't walk as much, doesn't get on base as much, you know? Like, Trout is very a very talented ball player, and I'm not robbing him from, like, any of his MVPs. But I feel like – I feel like War is kind of, like, geared towards a player like him specifically. And then you look back in retrospect at guys who are like, oh, yeah, they would have, like, much higher wars, right? And then they don't. And it's like, well, why? They do everything almost as good as Trout. Like, 
and but that difference is a slim margin. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. baseball is a game of inches. Yeah, yeah that's, true. that's true. Anyway, back to the Yankees because as much as we'd love to talk about Mike Trout on here, this is a Yankees podcast. Uh, on the whole, uh, we also got to talk about how the hard stretch of the schedule is coming up because Mike Trout's Angels, if I'm not mistaken, they're they're up very very soon. They're good. Yeah, first we have them. We have them, and then Tampa Bay right after them. In a uh, yeah, couple but, weeks. Yeah, but I think we I think we've also got Tampa Bay after because uh, we got the White Sox, then the Orioles. Yeah, then Tampa Bay uh, comes up, and at the Trop, no less. Oh yeah, it, I, I had it backwards. Tampa Bay, then the Angels. Yeah. So right now we're about to see what these Yankees are actually made of. We've got the white three against the White Sox, three against the Orioles, or at the Trop against the Rays. Then the Angels come, and then and then it's it's like a it's pretty balanced the rest of the way. But the next couple of weeks are going to be key, uh, guys. How are we feeling heading into this stretch of this stretch of games, particularly going up against the Rays in hated Tropicana Field? Uh, I'm very confident. I have no there's like there's no reason to not be confident, right? I mean, I mean, I mean the yeah. Rays have been running kind of hot lately, though. They have, but you know. Noted Yankee killers, Austin Meadows, and who all the other guys are gone. Kyle Glass is not Choi. pitching. G-Man Choi. I mean, like, I like the Rays are good, and they're going to always be good, but they don't strike the same kind of fear that they have in the past couple of years. Yeah, they're they are they very much are a different team on paper this year, especially especially in terms of pitching. I, I swear, I I think that there's some sort of equal time thing going on with, with baseball reporting on TV because they'll mention Shane McClanahan just to give the Rays some, like some airtime yeah. to, to the point where it's kind of becoming offensive. I mean, what, like, this is the best team in the American league over the last couple of years. And, you know, it's like that, that luster has kind of been lost because, you know, I also have very strong opinions about the Rays having grown up, you know, two hours from their stadium, but two hours. I thought, I thought we were much closer. Not an hour and a half, two hours, depending on traffic. You, but, and you, you know what? Going to the trap, there's always traffic because yeah. it's oh god, what a terrible location. But yeah, trap needs to be burned to the ground. The crazy part is, apparently, guys on the beat love the trap. Like Brian, like Brian Hoke and Mark Feinson. They I bet say, they have such a nice press box and just such a dog shit field. Well, acor- according to Fine Sand and Hoke, the Trop is one of the few ballparks where you where, for all the other issues with the ballpark, the Wi-Fi is apparently very reliable. <laughs> and like, and well, the- that well, that's because they don't have any fans in there using it all at once. Yeah, <laughs> there's broadband wise, and all the fans there are like 80 years old. They don't have smartphones. They're rolling with like Motorola razors. They got no Kias out there. You think those things are connecting to Wi-Fi? Doubt it. <laughs> no Doubt way. it. I mean, it's Florida, so probably everybody has a razor. Uh, it's, it's it's Tampa or the surrounding area. There's more than enough people there on meth, probably, right? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> even so, even the ones with the iPhone, you're going to tell an 80-year-old grandma, like, hey, grandma, you know you can connect to the stadium's Wi-Fi, right? <laughs> what do you mean? I'm already connected to the internet. She accidentally <laughs> connects the Jumbotron. <laughs> Texts are twice as, as large as it needs to be. <laughs> Yeah, my mother-in-law was just here, and our toddler was playing with her phone. And the phone, the phone isn't locked because she doesn't like bother to learn how to lock the phone. Like, baby goes down for the night. All my settings are messed up. 
<laughs> what are all these pictures? These like baby selfies that I'm seeing. Well, you didn't unlock your phone. That's why. Rookie mistake. <laughs> but on the whole, like the Yankees, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling really good about this team in the next stretch of games. I think, I think that it's going to be more of a mark on the pitching to see how much those arms can be tested, particularly uh, Jordan Montgomery and Jameson Tyon and Nestor Cortez, who's doing all these great things despite his fastball velocity being in the fourth percentile. Yeah, I think when you're looking at, at the Yankees down the stretch, you got a nice easy week right now where, where the White Sox really aren't at full strength yet and you can take advantage of that. And then you got the Orioles again. And I think when you're looking at that last week at uh, four games at the Trop, I think if you split those, you're fine. I don't care if you split those. Don't lose the series, but you know, split them or win it. And then you yeah. take two or three from home at the Angels. I don't, I don't think anybody's going to have any complaints about that. Oh, I absolutely think- not. I think that over the la- that especially last year, given how because I remember early in the year they looked real bad at the Trop, and then over the rest of the season they looked they looked gradually better across the board. I have to think that because going into last season, I think over a five year stretch the Yankees were playing sub five hundred ball just at Tropicana Field mm-hmm. in particular. So I I gotta think that Aaron Boone and all the players and coaches just had to sit down, just vented everything that they fucking hate about that ballpark and then just figure it out. Okay. We've gotten it all out. The drop is a terrible place, but we have to play here. What? Uh, okay. Here's what sucks about the place. How do we try and play better? Just so we're not like having the sense of malaise every time we take the field. Yeah. Uh, I'll say, I don't want to see Joey Gallo in left field a single time at the drop just yeah, because no. it, it just because He's already like he's making plays in left field generally, but it looks like he's really uncomfortable making those plays. And, you know, when the ball gets up against the white roof of the trough, it gets harder to see. Like, I don't need to see Joey Gallo, who's like struggling with the lights in Yankee Stadium, trying to track a fly ball, then go to the trough and try to track a white ball against a white roof. Because whoever came up with that idea was just a menace. Whoever came up with the whole trough is just a menace to society. But I, I don't really I don't need to see that. I don't it was supposed to, to be that. a. It was supposed to be a hockey arena. This supposed light, to be the. Didn't the suppo- play there for a few years? They did. They did. Um, but yeah, I think it was that was the main purpose. And then and it, and it's also a convention center sometimes. I think. Yeah. yeah. And it was allegedly designed so that no ball would ever hit the catwalk. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Yeah. So well, that said, okay, you say you don't want Joey Gallo playing left field. Who do you put in left field? I just Call- I wouldn't I wouldn't hate putting Hicks in left field and having Judge play center and, and Stanton in right field. I mean you're gonna have to play Joey Gallo in the outfield. You're gonna have to. I don't want to see it. I don't want to watch it unfold because it's gonna make me really nervous watching him track fly balls in left field. It's like what um, what do you, what do you want to risk more? Joey Gallo's defense in left field or Giancarlo Stanton's legs on turf? Yeah, I, I think the turf thing's overrated. That's how much how much of a difference does it really make playing well, on if you, turf if you, consistently? Well, if, if you look at the Rogers Center, they definitely kind of redid the whole. They kind of redesigned their whole. Turf yeah, maybe the there. maybe the turf in in uh, in Tampa Bay is just worse. Maybe they just have worse it's turf worse. than Toronto. You're you're, you're going to say that? But you you got guys out there playing every day. Who they're not getting hurt. The outfielders aren't getting hurt more often than other guys playing their 81 games a year. Like. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not overly concerned about John Carlos Stanton playing 18 innings of just, right field at the trial. I just remembered uh, another Yankee killer uh, for the Rays, Brandon Lau. I just remembered he's on the IL with the back thing. Oh, is so, he really? Yeah, that 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 happened uh, a couple days ago. Yeah. Well, then it sounds like it's a good opportunity for the Yankees to go in there and kind of well, solidify their grip at the top. 
Yeah, hopefully, or else like Kevin Cash is gonna do is like three different fucking bullpen games thing. Is he still doing that? It's the Rays, of course. They're still doing that. We'll probably get we'll probably get Shane McClanahan, Corey Kluber, and then two bullpen games. Yeah, it works for them. It does just doesn't work in the postseason because you get to the end of the year and it's like, wow, like our relievers have all thrown like 130 innings. They don't usually do that. That's yeah. how you get Nick Anderson, the best reliever of the year in 2020. And even in 2020, shortened season, 2020, yeah. you get to the end of the year and Nick Anderson is just gassed. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just have an issue with the Rays just because they're clearly doing it so they don't have to pay pitchers and they're and like they're crying poverty, yet they're also playing like we're the most woke franchise in the game card. Like any anytime there's a tragedy, the Rays are the first, they're, they're the first team to comment and they always have the most beautiful statement out of all the teams. It's infuriating. It, but it, what, inf- what infuriates me is, like, the fandom. Because – What fandom? Well, no, but that's, like, the social media presence of, quote-unquote, the fandom. You know, they're always yelling at Yankee, like, in the faces of Yankee fans about, like, how great they are, how the Yankees suck and all this shit. And it's like, you know, I, I grew up there my entire life. None of y'all existed. No. None of y'all. It's like – like – and you guys don't even attend your own games. Like, Actually, I did a whole story about that, about the attendance and the lack of, like, generational stars. Because, I mean, who's who's the generational star, right? It's Evan Longoria. He only played there for eight years, nine right. years. Yeah, about that. Half a career. And, and that's the one guy you can point to and be like, yes, this was the Derek Jeter cornerstone, David Wright cornerstone of the organization. Uh, yeah. Even when the Rays are a first-place team, they're still in the bottom half in, in attendance. It's just... It's horrible. The ballpark is stupid. It's far away from major city center. It's it's the team is always usually bad. And even when they're good, there's not recognizable names that people want to go out and watch. So how do you how do you get fans? How do you get fans? I don't know. Well, you know, when they were in the World Series a couple of years ago, they made it known that they were out there. I was like, where did you guys come from? Yeah, no. Oh, when they were in the World Series for like that one week. (laughs) Yeah, we're out here. We've been out here. It's like the Los Angeles Kings fans who all of a sudden appeared in the 2014 Cup Finals against the Rangers. Uh, Yeah, we've been here. We don't need to. Don't remind me of that, please. (laughs) Uh, Still stinging from last night, huh, man? Yep. Yep, that one hurt. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, um, yeah, what what else should we talk about? Uh, James, you got any uh, K-Rod rants? Or have you not? Yeah, you know, wait, you haven't been watching. I that. haven't watched a single inning of K Rod since the first broadcast. And I Neither won't I. for the rest of the year because for somebody who had 12 career bunts, Alex <laughs> Rodriguez never shuts up about how important bunting is. Says anybody who's a good player on a team is automatically a great defender and a great ambassador for the game says it just like that every single time. I hate it. I hate Alex Rodriguez. It's I used to like him too. And even after the steroid thing, I was like, all right, like I've come back around on a rod, like I'm back in on a rod. And then he just goes on national television every week and lies. I know he knows he's lying. I know (laughs) that he knows with 700 career home runs that bunting is not important. I know he knows that, but it's just like ESPN said, we need old people to watch. So go talk about bunting. Well, you know, you know what it was like when he first became a TV analyst, he was very good at it. Like his, his knowledge of the situation of what pitches were coming, like watching it in real time was very impressive. And I loved listening to him, but then he realized he was good at it. And yeah, now he's, he's just like, yeah, I'm, he, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Yeah, I know and, everything. And now it's insufferable. 
It's like, yeah. Uh, or as far as like, he's not even, he's changed his mind on everything. He's like, yeah, I'm Alex Rodriguez. I know everything. I know more than I did last year. Like, what are you talking about, dude? What do you go back, go back to like, right when you, right, right when you retired, when you knew how important hitting home runs were and you knew how important it was to walk and you knew that contact hitting really wasn't all that important in an offense for yeah. a long sustainable season. That's not a, having a contact oriented team that listen, the 2015 Kansas city Royals were fun, but that team probably doesn't win the world series any other given year. They got real lucky that year. They it's really just, did. it's just not the right way to build a team. And Xander Bogarts is bad at defense. I'm sorry. He is. He's really bad at defense and just because he's the shortstop for the Boston Red Sox. Doesn't make him a good defender. Anyway, Back to Yankees talk, because I realized we're going to be back at this, Alec and I, in a week. Uh, the Yankees have a pretty significant week coming up. Uh, all right, over the next seven days, which Yankee, need, besides Aaron Hicks, needs to have a good week? Alec, we'll start with you. I'm only stuck with one, or can I point out a couple? Uh, you can point out a couple, sure. Uh, well, I would... I would love to see LeMahieu start swinging it again, like because I, I I was surprised to find his average had dropped to like two sixty. Um, He's also having a bad month. Yeah, like I like just because how important he is at the top of the lineup when he is playing, um, yeah. especially against the the better teams coming up. Uh, I would love to see him kind of try to bring that average back up. You know, maybe it'd be great to see him closer to 300 again, but even if it's 280, 290, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then, but kind of in a similar vein, I want to see Isaiah Kiner Falefa continue to like, I know he kind of fell into a little bit of a funk, but then he's he's starting to swing his way out of it. And just, yeah. I mean, it uh, did what he walked in the ninth inning today and then stole yeah, second, he did. walked and stole second. So, like, you know, that kind of impact on the offensive side of the game, I would love to see him continue to make, but then also clean up on the defensive side. Um, those are two guys in, in the lineup. Um, I would love to see, you know, kind of keep trending in the right direction. And then just in the bullpen, uh, like Loisega, we need him. We really do. Especially since Green is probably out with an injury. I don't trust Litke. I mean, like, Josh and I have a friend who is very sour on the Lysaga, but I mean, it, other than the control, his stuff still is there. It's just, you know, maybe a bit of a confidence issue, but I'm like, if there was a time for him to realize he still has it, it'd be this upcoming week. Yeah. Especially because you can't, you can't look at a Raldis Chapman's first month and a half of the season and expect to see that kind of success in the rest of the season. No, because absolutely. all of, all of the advanced numbers say like, there is nobody in baseball getting quite as lucky as Araldis Chapman right now yeah. to, to have not given up an earned run for what was it like five weeks? Yeah. yeah, that was that was pure luck. His I think his expected ERA the day that he gave up his first run, his expected ERA was like four point one, which is not great. That's, That's not great. Low even for him. Yeah, and exactly, and it's just so Jonathan Lamaiska just. I want him to be the closer of the future, man. I know right now it's going to be Clay Holmes, and I think Clay Holmes can can really take over that role when, not if, when Araldis Chapman falls off the rails. Um, but I, I want I, it to be Lamaizia. I, I think they're already getting ready for at some point, probably in the next, we'll say, four to six weeks, that Chapman is going to lose the closer spot entirely, and they're going to tell Holmes, hey, 
It's your job now. And I'm yeah. okay well, with it's, that. It's, it's yeah. going to have to come at, at the back end of poor results for Araldis Chapman. Even if, you know, he's getting people out and, and, and getting saves, even with like a 410 ERA, expected ERA, like they're not going to say, all right, well, we're giving the closer job to Clay Holmes because he's getting people out more efficiently. I, yeah, I don't think but, the Yankees would do that. Yeah, but I, even Boone or – and I think, I think Blake also said uh, how – I think this was yesterday – how they realized they got burned last year just relying on Chapman too much. Yeah. I think right now they're just kind of alternating between. Also, I don't think Chapman's good in any other role than the closer role. I think he's just been the closer for so long that he's just, if you put him in the eighth inning, he's just not going to bring the same stuff. I think we've seen that before when he lost the closer role. Uh, what was that? 2019 that they, they took him yeah. out of the closer role at the end of the year. He just, he didn't look as good in the seventh. He didn't look as good in the eighth. It didn't look as, as focused. Like when you ask him to come in and, and get uh, a non-save situation, get three outs with four runs on the board, like he just doesn't never looks as locked in. Uh, he, but yeah, he, he doesn't look locked in right now, even in the situation. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying so, he should be the closer. I no, I know. But like he's for, just not going to be good anywhere. I think he's done. For him, and like, you know, I want to I want to hope that Aaron Boone has kind of gotten to the whole okay, like no funny business. It's like go out there and stomp on our opponents and i would hope yeah. that he would just be like hey like i don't care about your feelings chapman like you're yeah not, he you're has not, not been mind. shy about that this year to, to yeah. if a raw just chapman walks the first two guys someone's warming up in the bullpen we're ready well, did, to go did uh did holmes go six outs yesterday yeah he did mm-hmm. like like that i love it's like yeah. you know he, he had a, he had a low impact eighth inning course go with him in the ninth and yeah i feel like we ha- we hadn't seen that kind of decision making by Boone in the past no and- i forget who i forget who said it recently because um harold reynolds actually made a smart remark on ML- on mlb network he said this is boone unleashed like the first three years we're about to see if he could do the job they brought him back and now they're just letting him do his thing i and- i think it's the exact opposite <laughs> i think really? i think it's more the analytics are going to dictate a little bit more of what we do and we're going to need you to trust us that the analytics know because Aaron Boone is a baseball lifer. You think he's out there saying like, Oh, I'm going to let clay Holmes go get six outs when I have my set closer in his position and he's ready to go. And it's a safe situation. Well, That's Chad, not Aaron well Chapman, Chapman wasn't pitching yesterday regardless. Cause that would have been three yeah. days in a row, but, but, but even, at, even yeah, so, like he's, time, he's not going to let Chapman run in those ninth innings where you walk the first two guys, he's coming to get you. He is, he's not going to see, well, he's our closer. Let's let him work out of it. It's no two guys get on base. Somebody's warm. That's yes. what, that's what the analytics say, well, especially with Chapman. Didn't he also play tough love with Torres in the beginning of the year? Yeah. Like not like not not only just benching him on opening day, yeah. but like I, you know, I thought I remember there were a few lines. Yeah. I mean, don't get well. don't get like, me wrong. Oh, I think Aaron Boone's doing a great job. I oh, think he's so doing do a great job managing yeah. all of the people and all of the personalities. I think especially with the bullpen, the decision making process has been a lot more analytically based than you could say for the last couple of years where you know you our, our guy max greenfield and, I, and i'm sure you guys are going to have max on a ton on the podcast because yeah. he's uh he's the podcast official stats genius yeah. um but even he was like yeah like it's it's clear that they're just going with the analytics this year they're not messing around with with boone's gut and that's something that they've been doing over the past few years where there was a heavy analytic influence but if boone thought yeah, I, I feel more comfortable with so-and-so in this situation than so-and-so, even if the analytics say otherwise. Like, this year, they're going with the numbers. 
I don't know. Like I, I forget who it was. They said, "Look, Boone came back on a three-year deal, so that means that this time, like, it's something about Boone having leverage." Which, yeah, he kind of does. But at the same at the same time, this team is just different than all those all those stat heavy. Well, he's teams. just a, he's a good manager. He just is. Yeah. He's a good manager. Well, yeah, always like, always was. And and I think there has been a pretty like concentrated focus on you know cl- like cleaning up the stuff that was hurting them in the previous years, that, that yeah. sloppy base. And running, it, it the, wasn't the, even the really hurting them all that much in, in the long run. The big problems were that, especially last year, nobody was hitting at all. Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, that, that's not on Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone can't make you go up there and get a hit. Um, but of course, Aaron Boone got blamed for that, but it, those sloppy things aren't happening this year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it was on a Yankee broadcast a few weeks ago, but like someone said, like they've cleaned up, they've improved on the margins so much more in the past especially like, defensively base running all that stuff and it's just like i i you know i was one of the uh, uh naysayers at the beginning of the year when the results of those kind of margins didn't quite add up yet and i was like oh this is this looks like the same exact team as these previous years and like it's slow and boring and i'm not interested but then you know thankfully i'm eating crow on that now it's like I sat there for the longest time trying to figure out, okay, what is that difference between this year and last year and the years before? It's like, oh, like, that, like there it is. They are, they cleaned up the margins and they're playing just smart, like succinct baseball. And they're and consistent baseball. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, yeah, I'm like, I, I all credit to Boone because uh, I, I guess Josh, if you remember, we've been pretty, critical of some of his decisions last year i think um we were critical of some of the bullpen decisions last year because if, if there's one thing that we absolutely can knock aaron boone for uh with chapman right now being the exception it's that he does have a knack for sometimes leaving guys in a little too long because mm. like because like, like okay sometimes you want to you want to do the louis severino thing and just kind of will a second pitch to start working which it's it's not going to do like, yeah you will something to happen all you want it's not going to happen but now it's clear that Aaron Boone, he's got the right people in his ear. He, I think that adding Luis Rojas was a phenomenal addition because it sounds like the two got along from the get-go. Yeah. And, and also, like, just in terms of the team, in the, of the team uh, Alec, you mentioned early on how early on with the margins, it was looking like more of the same. One thing that I noticed, and I think, James, you noticed this as well, is that it, over the, we'll say, the first two weeks of the season – yeah, the results were kind of similar, low scoring. The ball wasn't being hit that hard. But across the entire roster, everyone is taking a much cleaner swing. They're seeing the ball better. They have a better understanding of the zone. They're not going up there and just hoping to launch the ball to Mars or to the moon or wherever and hope for the best. Right now, it's like they've rediscovered situational hitting. Well, that was, that was a conscious approach. Not the, not, you know, the situational hitting plays into it, but not – you know, Marcus Timms's approach was wait on a pitch, get your pitch and launch it into the seats this year. They have been a lot more aggressive in chasing pitches that maybe aren't perfectly cut pitches. And I think, I think part of Joey Gallo's struggles, honestly, are that this approach is just something that doesn't work for him. It's just not his game where he may, he maybe should be going back to that old approach where he's just waiting for a specific pitch. I was, uh, but su- everybody I was surprised else to learn that apparently stuff. I was surprised to learn that Brendan Cuddy wrote an article about this. Apparently this has been Gallo's thing since he was 10. Yeah. It's just always been, and, and he has been swinging more this year and making worse contact. So yeah. that's not great. 
that's not what you want. I think for Joey Gallo, I think that that approach doesn't work. Maybe Marcus Timms's approach was better for him. Uh, so if he wants to go back to that personally, I'm not going to say no. Well, apparently your, um, Padre, everybody your else Padres is, is, really, really like him. So who Joey? Oh, Marcus Timms. No, Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo. Oh yeah. Well, everyone should like Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo, when, when the shift gets banned next year, I'm really curious to see what that looks like for him, for someone who really doesn't hit a lot of ground balls, but does get shifted on 96% of the time. Like how, how will that affect his average? I'm really curious. We'll see. Maybe he'll, he'll stop overcompensating a little bit, but anyway, uh, yeah, I think that's a, that's a pretty good stopping point for us. We covered everything we needed to from the upcoming games to Chapman to a bunch of other stuff. Few tan- a few of the Mike T- uh, Mike Trout tangent somewhere in the in the middle. I really love it. Yeah, uh, but anyway, yeah. So yeah, folks, starting next week, it's going to be me and Alec Montecalvo here on Bleacher Creatures. James, thanks so much for passing the torch on to yeah, us. Yeah, torch torch officially passed. I don't have to do any work anymore. <laughs> Thank you, James. <laughs> yeah. All right. But anyway, you could uh, you could find me on Twitter at Josh B E S N Y. You could find this podcast on Apple, Spotify. I'm going to assume we're also on Google Play and Stitcher as well. Yeah, uh, probably. Alec, give him your socials. Uh, well, I'm not even on Twitter anymore. <laughs> you, you That's a good of, decision. That's a good just mental health decision. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was definitely the whole, like, this is a cesspool, so I'm off. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I'm not I'm not on social media, like, other than Instagram. But don't follow me on Instagram. I got nothing fun to post. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. I post cool. I post on Instagram once a year on my brother's birthday. I post a bunch of <laughs> embarrassing pictures of him. And if you just go down my Instagram feed right now for the last five years, I think there's one post that's different than the other ones. You got to start posting the dogs. No, I don't want, I don't want people seeing my life. You know, I don't, they can they can read about it in tweets. That's fine. But I don't want them seeing it. So it makes sense. Like they, you got this whole like panel set up behind you. With like the wood, the wood wall, the random dry erase board. It's kind of like this little Alex. Yeah, my little, my little log, log cabin down here. That the dry erase board I used to actually use for calendar stuff, and then I realized that I was never actually looking at it when I would write. (laughs) I'd write an assignment up on there and be like, "All right, like it's right behind me. I'm gonna be able to see it. Like when I get up, I'll turn around and be like, "Right, I have to do that assignment." Never looked at it. Uh, So then I just started writing. uh, You, you remember? uh, Pardon the interruption. Oh yeah, not part of the interruption. What was the show that around came the, on around the that? horn? Around the, around horn. the horn, yeah. So I just started writing. Um, wh- what was the guy's name who had Woody the signs? Page. Woody, Woody Page. Page. Yeah, I just started writing Woody Pageisms up there. Nice. Didn't write any today because once again forgot that existed until this very moment. All right, now we. Wow, James, maybe you do need to move to Binghamton. The, the, the walls are closing in on you down there, man. Yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm ready <laughs> to go. I'm ready to get out of the log cabin. All right, man. Well, thanks so much again for coming on the show. Hopefully we'll have you on again soon. Kirk, Guys, thanks for coming on the show. This is my show. Not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. It ain't mine and Alex now. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well guys, <laughs> thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. See ya. <laughs>